Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Amen. How many of you know that there's power in a church that prays? Um, so I want, I want to talk about something. And if you saw on social media uh, yesterday, or yesterday evening on our Facebook page or whatever, I was kind of talking about in the last, um, well, like in the last week, week and a half, we've had three substantial mass shootings in our country. And, uh, and I want to talk about that. Is that okay? Can we talk about this? We're not talking about it from a, pl- from a stance of politics. We're not talking about this from an angle of whatever news media, you know, is talking about it. Uh, I want to talk about this in the context of the church and our responsibility um, that we have. Because I don't know if you knew this or not, we have a responsibility. Like, and, and if you want to define that, that means we're responsible for something. Um, we got the, in Gilroy, California, in the Garlic Festival, there were three shot dead. Uh, El Paso, just uh, yesterday, uh, 20 that I know of, uh, that, were, that were shot. Um, white supremacy um, was the motive behind that one. Um, Dayton, Ohio, early this morning, around 1.20 in the morning. I don't know if you, some of y'all maybe not even heard about this. Uh, a shooting there where nine people were shot dead. Ten. Ten now. Um, that's a lot. And, you know, there, there, there's the ones that get the news attention, and then there's also a whole lot that don't get the news attention. Um, I mean, for, for example, all you've got to do is almost on a daily basis go and check the local news in Chicago. And there's all there's shootings, there's, there's, it's, there's gang-related activity, there's things happening almost on the daily so commonly that, that the news is like, well, that's not really news anymore, that's not really going to get attention anymore, Let's, you know what I mean? So um, I just feel like we have a responsibility. Last night, I mean, as I was kind of seeing the, the updates come in and, 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 and watching the news and, and they're interviewing people and they're talking to family members and they're, they're just, you know, doing what they do, describing the situation, and man, my heart, my heart was just broken. My heart was broken for that. And, uh, and they're, they're people that I don't, I, don't know, I don't know them. I don't know their city. I don't know their families. I don't know their friends. But I know that just from these three instances, there's 32 lives that were cut short before they, before they were supposed to, before they needed to, at least in, even in our realm. And, and it breaks my heart. And I know that today um, there's, there's family members waking up that don't know how they're going to make it through the day. Uh, there, there's friends that are, are trying, to get, trying to go and do life today that don't know what they're gonna do. There's, in the El Paso area, there's churches filled, I can guarantee you today, filled with people that are hurting, that are praying, that are broken. And uh, you know what's ironic is that whenever hate tries to show its head and tries to accomplish its agenda, it is always so beautiful to see how it, gets, it just gets shut down by communities and people coming together to love each other. And, uh, and, and that is, you know, that's like, why, why does it have to do this so that we can come together and love each other? Why do we have to have tragedy? Why do we have to have uh, a, 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 that type of wake-up call so that we will begin to treat people the way that they're supposed to be treated? And, uh, and so usually whenever, this is me personally, whenever, I, you know, something like this happens and I see it and I, uh, you know, I kind of watch some of the early coverage because I just I want to see what's happening. I want to get the updates. I want to know how lives are being impacted. But not too long after that, I, I turn it off 
because I know it's not gonna take too long before politics tries to make it about something that it isn't about. And, uh, and, and, and really, in all honesty, I'm not trying to say that there aren't things to talk about, that there aren't things to debate about, that there aren't things to figure out. That, that's true. But as far as our, our human response to what's happening, that's, I, I turn it off, because I'm like, okay, our responsibility at this point is not to determine whose fault it was that made this happen, or if you do this, then this will never happen. The reality is, is that we live in a, a broken, uh, uh, sinful world, and, and tragedies will happen. Are there things we can do to curb some of them? Yeah, I think so, absolutely. But at the end of the day, tragedy will happen in our world. So, so will it continue to take, let me speak about just our country for a minute. Will it continue to take tragedy to wake us up to respond? Or, let me kind of put this back into the ballpark of, of the church world. Or, will the church realize the responsibility that we have to, to pray and then to act on our prayer on a consistent basis that creates an environment in a city, in a region that almost doesn't even allow evil to have a place to come in and create Amen. these things that begin to happen. And, uh, and I, I guess I would step in to say is that yes, we can make a difference. We can, we can change the course of many things, not all things. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna for one second begin to pretend like I know God's plan for absolutely everything that unfolds under the sun and that, you know, well, God's desire is that no evil should happen. No, that's, I think in his heart he doesn't wanna see, he knows that he doesn't wanna see people get hurt, but he also knows the world in which we live that humanity has created. We can blame God for stuff all we want, but the reality is, is at the end of the day, the things that we see are the products of, of mankind making choices. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and we, we've made choices to either take sides, we've made choices uh, to say, well, there, there are truths that are being spoken that disagree with how I feel, therefore I will reject your truth and establish another one. And eventually these truths begin to conflict and we live in a culture and a society where we've, uh, many have accepted the reality that my truth will be my truth and your truth can be your truth and we'll just live together in our separate truths. But what happens when truths come together and conflict and create hurt? We're missing something. So I wanna read a verse to you and I wanna share a couple of thoughts to you. This is gonna be, uh, if it's okay with you, ask for permission, a very unpolished message today. Um, but something that I feel like God wants to get our attention for because it will, this isn't just about the shootings. This is about your life, my life, our existence as individuals, more importantly, our existence as a church in our region, and the responsibility that, that we have to impact our region in the way that God intends to see happen. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a passage that probably some of you would recognize in the context of prayer. It's from the Old Testament, comes from the book of 2 Chronicles. Um, yes, that's an, actual, that's an actual book in the Bible, Chronicles. It uh, chronicles some amazing stories throughout the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 14 and verses and verse 15. And, and I'm gonna read through the, uh, from the ESV, the English Standard Version, and I'll check this out. Uh, this is a time period, though, where Israel, uh, the nation that was, they were the people of God. Uh, and if you didn't know, the reason they were the people of God, you're like, why did God pick that, that, that nation of people and, and they were more favorite than everybody else? No, it goes back to one person. God made a promise to Abraham because of Abraham's faith in God in a time in history when nobody else was in that place. 
Nobody else was recognizing God for who he was, but it says that Abraham was a man of faith because he believed in who God was. God made a promise to him, and that promise continued throughout the descendants that ended up becoming the nation of Israel. And so, yeah, they're God's people because God made a promise to Abraham. And so we find even throughout history, we see God continuously reaching out in love and grace throughout the Old Testament to bring back in a group of people that time after time after time rejected God and, and turned from God and began to worship things that were not God in, in replacement of him and, and do things that, you know, the Bible says were you know, unspeakable and unmentionable in the eyes of God. Yet continually throughout the Old Testament, we see this pattern, which isn't by chance, it's the heart of God, constantly going after them to provide opportunity for them to come back to him, to be in relationship with him, to be, to be healed, to be forgiven, to be restored. And, uh, and all throughout that time, uh, the, the nation of Israel proves time and time again that they don't deserve it. And so here's the interesting thing. Does that sound familiar to anybody? For me, that sounds like my life. That sounds like me. Let, let me make it personal real quick. Of all, like throughout my life, the times that I have mistreated God, the times that I've turned my back on him, the times that I have blamed him, the times that I have allowed other things in my life to take a place that belonged to him, and yet time and time again, the love and the grace of God comes back after me to bring me back in and draw me back in and to forgive me and to restore me and to heal me and to bring me to a place of intimate relationship with God. So Israel's in the exact same place, and so we see here, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. And, uh, and this, is, this is God speaking, uh, speaking to the nation of Israel. And he's speaking in this time through prophets. And he says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, which means to, to lay down your pride, to lay down your arrogance, uh, to lay down your self-serving lifestyles, they humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then, this is almost like a geometry, it's an if-then statement, then, there, so, so there are things that need to take place for God to, to do what God would desire to do. Sometimes we just sit back and we're like, how come God didn't stop it? How come God didn't, you know, we fill in the blank, whether it's our own story, things that happen, or, or it's things that we observe and how come God, Bloom, how come he didn't do this? How come he, where was he here? How come he didn't stop this? Why didn't he make this happen? And, and there are things that must take place on our end that will unlock the response of God, and I'll take it even a step further, that will actually, if you will, give God permission to do what he can do, and only what he can do. This isn't about works and earning God's favor so that God will finally be convinced, all right, well, you've been good enough, so I guess now you've earned me to respond. No, it's not about earning anything. It's about unlocking and giving God permission to do what only God can do. You need to know that for your own life, there are things that God desires to do for you, but you haven't given him permission to do. You haven't unlocked the key. And we're like, well, how do I get these keys? They're, they're, they're all throughout Scripture. They're all throughout Scripture. Beautiful, black and white, blunt statements that tell us, hey, God's not trying to play tricks on anybody. 
He's not trying to hold back his love from anybody. He's not trying to withhold miracles from anybody. He's not trying to dangle love in front of people that just can't quite grasp. He's not doing that to anybody. But he wants you to give him permission to move in a way that only he can move and to do things as God that only he can do. So there are things that we have to do. We have to humble ourselves. There's, there's beauty in America, in the church. There's beauty. But there's also a lot of arrogance. And it's, you know, we're not, it's not like a finger point situation because remember the whole thing, point one, you got three, three fingers, that whole thing. It, it's, it's, always to, you know, it's, it's always about an individual taking responsibility. There's, there's a lot of amazing things that are literally, even now, that are transforming our world in a positive way that are coming out of many people in the church in America. But it's a fraction of what it could be. We're accomplishing for the Lord a fraction of what we could be seeing God do in us and through us, again, because we haven't given God permission to do what only he can do. And you're like, all right, piece of cake. God, hey, I give you permission. Hey, just in case you didn't think you had it, I give you permission. Now, now what? Now, how about, all right, God, that, that thing. Now, how about now? I gave you permission. And we realize God's not looking for you to just verbalize something. He wants to dig inside and get to the core of who you are, he wants to get to your heart. He wants to get to something on the inside of you that is broken, even if it's in process. You know, because you know, we kind of live in a broken world. We're in process, that's okay. We're not who we used to be. We're not where we wanna be yet, but remember, we're not where we were, okay? You know, you always, it's kind of like that thing I was saying at the end of worship, you know, we can, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, where are you? And then a couple years down the road, you get back and, and you kind of turn around, you look in your past and you realize, oh, okay, I see what God was doing there. Well, he's, he's kind of, that was pretty smart. I never would have thought of that one. That was good, God, good job. You did a great job. But, and, and it can be the exact same way when we're believing for something in our life or we're praying for something. But, uh, but I don't wanna go too far into the assumption realm that the church is praying for something. And the reason why I don't wanna to assume too much there is because the reality is that the church is not really praying for something. We show up, we exist, we, we, get the, we get the warm, fuzzy feelings that make us feel good enough for an afternoon. We connect with a few people, we, we go back and, and, and nothing changes. And we ask ourselves a question, why is nothing changing? And, the fact of the matter is, because you'll see this, we'll, we'll do it today because it's an important part of who we are. Just because you raise your hand and pray a prayer and accept Christ into your life doesn't change everything. Does that make you a Christian? It makes you saved. It makes you realize that when the, when the end is all said and done that you know that you'll be in the presence of God, but we're not just getting saved so that we can not burn in hell. God actually wants to save you in this life so that he can call you to something in this life. So he doesn't just want you to live saved, he wants you to live called, but 
there, there are too many of us, and, and, and I'd, I'd say, I know it's a grand generalization, I realize that, but too many of us are, we're living saved, but we're not living called. We're living in the grace of God, realizing that we've been forgiven of much, but, but the lifestyle that we live is actually still so, so stuck in, in ourselves that we, we never even think twice about the need to unlock the permission of God to do what only he can do because we're so caught up in our own world. Okay. I don't think I get any claps from that one, but that's a good start. But, so we have to, so just in this verse alone, God's asking us to do a couple of things. One, humble yourself. Humble yourself. You know, that's taking the things that you've made a sacred cow in your own life, things that, things that maybe you haven't allowed God to touch in your life. You're like, God, do this, do this, do this, but uh, I got this one. I got, this, uh, you know, I'll, I can take care of this one. Just, you can leave this alone. Remember, God's a work in progress. I'll handle this. God says, no, you just need to humble yourself. You need to lay down your pride. We need to lay down our arrogance about, can I say this? I don't even know if this will even make sense or, or if this will get me in trouble on a podcast, but we need to lay down our arrogance even about what we believe. Amen. Here's the point. I'm not saying, well, we don't, oh yeah, we're arrogant about the word of God. We don't, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, what we believe and what God says and what God did and what he tells us to do. I'm not saying that, that it's, not a, it's not about, well, I believe what I believe and you believe what you believe and I'm not gonna be arrogant because I want God to move, so it's all cool. It's not about that, but this is what we do within the church world, within the church world. We've got our, I'm this denomination over here and this is our core beliefs. Yeah, we all have the Jesus thing going, but outside of that, this is what's right. Okay, yeah, really, okay. And then over here, we're like, well, we disagree with that because, yeah, Jesus, we got that Bible. That's all good. Heaven, yeah, it's great. But, but we've got this figured out over here, and, and y'all are wrong. And, and before you know it, you're back in the third grade. No, you're wrong. I know you are, but what am I? You know, and it's, it almost gets to that point. And so I'm not saying that, that there aren't, there isn't value in debating the deeper things of the word of God. There absolutely is. But what I can't find in scripture anywhere is, a, is an admonition to perfect every detail of what we interpret as the deeper things of this and that. It's like, hey, it's much deeper than this. I know that you think this is superficial, but Jesus, can we agree on Jesus? And here's what, this, here's what some of us need to realize. If someone is preaching anything other than Jesus is God, Jesus is the only way to salvation, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If there is a belief system that does not line up with that, it is not a Jesus-following Christian belief system. Amen. All right. This is going in an interesting direction, okay. So what does that mean? Does that mean that just gives us another line to draw in the sand about like, well, you're over here and you're over here? No, no, no. But my point is that we have to, as a church, lay down the arrogance piece that's inside of us because many of us, I'll, I'll throw myself, this is my testimony, because I didn't get, I wasn't like partying and drinking and doing drugs and then got radically saved. I was, I was churching, I was youth camping, I was Bible reading, I was all night prayer, everything. I was better than everybody else, knew more than everybody else, and I was judging everybody else so that they could be like me. And then all of a sudden, God said, hey, 
you're an idiot. <laughs> he doesn't talk to you that way. This is just how God talks to me. He's a lot more soft and gracious, and he's just gonna give you a big, warm hug, but he had to get my attention. My testimony lines up a lot more with when you see Saul, who would become Paul. I, was, I thought I was helping God. I thought I was helping people. But all I was really doing was driving a wedge in between me and the people that God wanted me to, to actually help and love. And that wedge is called being right. That wedge is called arrogance. And we've got to put that down, our self-serving lifestyles. We will do church when church does for me. We will do Jesus when Jesus serves what I need Jesus to serve. But the moment that I, I find church and Jesus, and you can go to Ephesians 3, 19 and 20 and 21 to kind of see that the church is at the heart of God. You can't really separate church from God because church is at the very core of who Jesus is. It's, it also, it's also his bride. Uh, it's also the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And so you, we're like, no, God's a pride already in my life. And then over here, we're like, yeah, in church, you know, I'll get there, I'll get there. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice, I feel like. But um, I think that we've got to realize something that, that God wants to take us out of our self-serving lifestyle. And, uh, and there's a fear there. I really feel like there's a fear there in some people because you think, oh, so, so now in order to, to be a Jesus follower, I just have to be exhausted all the time and I just have to do stuff that I, that I don't enjoy and I'm probably going to have to marry somebody who's ugly and, <laughs> and you're going to make me go to a... You're gonna call me to Siberia or something like that, and that's just gonna, okay, you gotta take up my cross and follow Jesus here. Just crucify me now, you know. It's, just take me to heaven. No, and we miss it, because that's not it. That's, that's not what it's supposed to be. You know, the, the life of a Jesus follower, and we do, you'll notice, we do use a very specific terminology. I'm not against the word Christian, but unfortunately, the world has a thousand different definitions of what a Christian is. And so I'm like, okay, well, then what are we? We're, uh, we're Jesus followers. Now, a Jesus follower is someone, I know, hang on, you might want to write this down. A Jesus follower is someone who follows in the footsteps of Jesus. That word repentance that kind of sounds nasty in America because usually when we hear it, it's, it's some, you know, maybe well-meaning individual who's carved turn or burn on a giant poster board and they're out on the street corner and, and they're yelling at people, hey, you know, the end is coming. If you don't turn, then you'll burn. It rhymes. It's, it's wonderful. It works together. It's great. Repent and turn, you know, and, and so we hear this word repent and we're just like, well, that doesn't sound like a great word. It kind of sounds really religious and it sounds like it's really divine, but actually the, the word repent is such a beautiful, grace-filled, gentle word. You know, repent. If I was... All right, let me put it this way. If you were walking on a, on a path, and let's just say we're up somewhere near Tahoe because that's where we live and it's beautiful and everyone else has to come here to see it, but we just have to drive a few minutes. It's beautiful. And you're walking on this path, but for some reason at the end of this path, it just drops straight off, hundred, couple hundred feet down. And if you, that's not gonna end well. You're not gonna recover from that. And you're, it's beautiful, you know, there's nature. You can see Lake Tahoe and you're walking on this path and you feel like everything is going well, but you're actually about to end your life and you don't even know it. And someone comes up behind you and says, hey, 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 don't go that way. Repenting is saying, okay, I, well, there's, this isn't working out. That's not gonna work out. It's turning in a 180 degree direction and just following in a different way. So 
if God didn't love you, he wouldn't want you to repent because he could care less if you walk off that cliff or not, but he actually wants to take you in a better way. And it's not a religious way. It's not a rules and regulations way. It's simply, I want a relationship with you and the way that you will live the life that I created you to live is not by perfecting it on your own, but by just walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Because Jesus will lead you to the Father. That's actually Jesus' own words. No one can actually get to God our Father except through Jesus. He is the only way, the only truth. He is the only source of life. That's, that's it. That's, that's John chapter 14, I think, verse 6. And so, uh, and so you're like, well, that sounds, that sounds really rigid and narrow. It's just, it's just a single choice. I'm like, yeah, it's, but it's to simplify it. How gracious is God to give us a, a single simplified uh, door to walk through instead of saying, no, it's a thousand different directions. Just good luck, pick the best one. Some of them are great, some of them are not. Some of them are, are, might work maybe, so just good luck and pick one. I'm like, oh, dear God, help me. <laughs> Jesus, no, God says there, there's one way, but check this out. When you walk through the narrow gate to give your life to Jesus, guess what happens? It opens you up into an expansive life of freedom, of freedom and fulfillment. Nothing like you could experience ever on your own. But yeah, that is a step of faith, isn't it? Because you can't see it yet. You can't see it. God wants to do something mighty in our nation. He wants to do something mighty through our church, through the churches of our region. He wants to do something throughout our world. There, there needs to be a revival. And I just want you to know, you can't schedule a revival. It's not just something that you do three nights a week and put it on a whatever, and it's called a revival. Everybody come out to the revival because revival's happening. You're gonna miss it. Oh, it's over. Oh, you missed the revival. Oh, too bad. We, we, we try to put God in this box of, of titles and events and we schedule things and we try to make things happen. And, and not that there aren't great moments to bring people together for a specific pointed focus that will create an outcome. But we do need revival as a nation. But in order for us to do that, we actually, as a church, as his people, we have to begin to pray. We have to begin to, to, to pray. We have to begin to pray. We have to realize that this is not a metaphor for thinking about God. You cannot substitute prayer for a meditation. Is meditation in the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. There's a time and place for it. Meditating on scripture. Like I read something, I'm gonna think on what I read and, and God will begin to speak to my heart and my mind about what I'm reading. But I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about the type of prayer that most people do when they're on the verge of everything collapsing. That's the prayer that just about everyone's got that one down. It may come out different ways. It may come out as a 911 prayer. It may come out as I'm angry at God prayer. It may come out as a, if you're real. But here's the thing, we, we, um, we, we end up missing, when we don't have a prayer lifestyle, we only end up having these moments when everything's about to collapse. And usually, this happens a lot, and again, I'm, I'm throwing my guilty card out there, I've done this. We pray in the context of, God, if you're real, you'll make this happen. And what's ironic about that, going back to us laying down our pride and our arrogance as people, is that what we've done now is we've relegated God down to a genie that we will put our faith in him if he does what we want him to do, the way that we want him to do it. And we, and we, and we limit him to, to this little idea of what we think God is and, and, and 
Isn't that insane that we would, now check this out. I'm not, don't raise your hand, but how many of us have done that and God's actually come through? <laughs> Why? Why, what, does he need to prove himself in that way? Absolutely not. He could smite us and start over. That's a great word, smite. Doesn't get used enough. Anyway, I don't smite. Anyway, but he doesn't. He comes through. Why? Because he's a loving, gracious, merciful, kind God who's like, listen, if it takes me stepping in to your uh, incredible demand of me for something that it's actually not what's best for you, and I'm actually not gonna give it all to you because I'm gonna take you somewhere on this journey. I'm gonna walk you through some things, but I'm gonna give enough to you just to get your attention and let you know that, hey, I hear you. I hear you. And so listen, let me give you a quick encouragement here because I know that in this room, because I've met so many people that say the same thing. Yeah, but I don't, you know, I'm not like you. God doesn't hear my prayers. You know, well, do I have to be X, Y, and Z, spiritual and educated, and then God hears my prayers? No, I just wanna encourage you today. From, from your pastor to you, you have the authority, you have the right, you have the ability to speak to God, and yes, yes, he hears you. Okay, but how come my prayers don't get answered? That, there's a seminar. <laughs> there's a seminar to that. But the reality is, is that um, you can't have a relationship with somebody that you don't speak to been married now for 18 and a half years now. And um, one of my wife's biggest fears before we got married was that we would run out of things to talk about. That was, you know, back when she wasn't sure. You know, she's like, I, I know you're hot. I know you've got everything on my checklist. But I'm, ter thank you. I'm terrified that we'll run out of things to talk about. And I was like, that's ridiculous. And we never have. And we never have, but here's the cool thing, like, and I, I don't know if I told her then or said later, or maybe she's the one that came up with it, probably, because it's wise. Um, <laughs> so you know what? Even if we do run out of things to talk about, we'll still be together. Isn't that romantic also? Anyway, it's like we'll still be together. And same thing with your relationship with God, but it, it didn't start with me just being together with her. That's called a creeper. <laughs> or I'm just like, like, everywhere she goes, I'm just like, hey. <laughs> that's so weird. Like, that's such a creeper thing to do. Don't, guys, if you're single and you're trying to get, don't do that. Open up your mouth off of the internet and actually talk to, talk to the girl. Have a conversation with the girl. Ask her questions about what she likes and what she doesn't like. Be interested. And here's the thing, that works for every relationship on the planet. God is speaking to you nonstop. And I, know, I get it, we don't, it's, it's not like you can hear my voice now. Some people actually do have a gift like that. I, I don't have it like that. I've probably heard the audible voice of God, I feel like maybe two or three times in my life, but God speaks to me right here. God definitely speaks to me right here. He speaks to me through his Holy Spirit and he also speaks to me through other people. And so listen, pray, talk to God. Jesus gives us a pattern in, in Matthew chapter six, write down Matthew chapter six, verses five through 15. I'm not gonna read them all right now just for the sake of time, but we're gonna, as a church, we're gonna talk about prayer for the next couple of weeks. We're, you know, we've been in this whole thing, summer soul, your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And, uh, and we want a strong soul 
Because a strong soul is a strong mind, it's emotional strength, it's emotional health, it's mental health. And I want you to know that God actually cares about your mental health. And that God actually wants to be involved in your mental health to make you strong, to make you able to handle the crazy things that life throws us and to do so in a way that actually God can use through your life to impact other people in a positive way. But if you read Matthew chapter six, verses five through 15, it begins to, it tells us how to pray. It's called, maybe you've heard it, it's called the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's just, it's got, and it was good branding, I guess. I don't know. It just, it fit well, the Lord's Prayer. Oh, I should know that prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and so, but, but this is what I want to caution you, though. It's not, it's not a formula. Because this, religion has ruined prayer. Oh, my gosh. Religion has ruined prayer. It's made it ritualistic. It's, it's uh, here's a book of prayers. And you know, maybe that can be helpful. Maybe that gets you going. I don't know. But I, no one gave me a book of conversations with my wife. No one gave me a book of conversations to talk to my friend. You know what I had? I had a relationship. And then through that relationship, I just talk. Yeah. So you're like, well, how do, how do I pray? What do I do? It's like, well, if you're going to have a time with just you and Jesus, this is the one thing I would say. Find somewhere where you can get alone. Yes. Which would include putting your phone away. Turn your phone off. Throw it under your bed. Go, well, it's, the Bible even talks about like go into a closet. You know, like, and it's not prescribing that's the only way. Okay, I gotta get in my closet now. Okay, this is, I'll be back in a minute. You know, but it was just painting the picture of do what you gotta do to get alone with Jesus so that you won't have distractions. And maybe it's a couple of minutes. Maybe it's 15 minutes. Maybe you've built time into your schedule, which you should. And, and you've got like, you know, I'm gonna spend an hour with the Lord. It's just me and him. I might not say anything, I might listen, or it might be one of those days where I, I, Jesus, you're just gonna have to let me talk, I just gotta get this stuff out. And it's okay because that's what you do in a relationship. My wife tells me all the time, I don't want you to tell me how to fix it, I just want you to listen to what I have to say. And I'm like, well, the problem with that is, no. <laughs> let me, let me, no. And, um, and that's okay, so I wanna, I wanna, for all of you, I wanna demystify prayer. I want to remove the religious stigma that is behind prayer. We even look at other religions that have such a beautiful and a, a faithful, like they, they pray five times a day at the exact same time. They do it all the time. And us Christians can't even pray. And I, I kind of agree with that. I'm like, yeah, they're making it happen. And when was the last time you prayed other than over your McDonald's Happy Meal? Or when, you know, something bad was going to happen and you're like, God, if you're real, do something, you know. But, but I get it, but at the same time, we're not trying to make prayer something that's religious. We're trying to make it consistent and faithful. Because, listen, excuse me, listen to this. It says, because I didn't finish after the then in the Chronicles verse. Uh, it says then, so we're, we're humbling ourselves. We, we're committing ourselves to prayer. Uh, we're, we're seeking the face of God, which means that we are pursuing a relationship with God. We wanna know him, and he wants to know you. And we turn from our wicked ways, listen, way. And so he continues to bring us back in with his love and his grace. Because we've screwed up, he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay. But he freed us from it. He freed us from the law of sin and death to, uh, to, to partner us with the law of the spirit of life. So he's taken death out of the equation and replaced it with life for those who will align themselves and follow the pattern of his son. 
So we're turning, we're repenting, right? We're turning and we're following Jesus. We don't have it all figured out. Didn't memorize the Bible yet, that's okay. Um, wait, I said a cuss word. Just keep following, <laughs> just keep going. Uh, I, I pointed at somebody while driving with the wrong finger. Um, just keep going, just keep following. We're, you know, you learn as you go. You learn as you go. And we begin to realize that the journey of, of being a Christian or being a Jesus follower is not a journey of religious perfection. It's a journey of falling down and being helped back up. Falling down and being helped back up. But as you're being helped back up, you're moving forward. You're moving forward. Some of us, some of us are like kids that throw a tantrum in the department store because you're not getting them the Sour Patch Kids they wanted. And it, you know, they just they throw the tantrum, they scream it, and they just collapse. Ah, and they fall down and you're like, okay, and you pick them up and it's like limp noodle. If you have any parents, can I get an amen? Okay. And you're like, okay, I picked them up. That's great. And you let go, ah, you know, and they just collapse down again. And if you're a good parent, you just leave them and you walk away. It's like, fine, fine. Let's see if somebody else takes you home and gives you Sour Patch Kids, it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> it's not how it works. <clears throat> but check this out. So, We've humbled ourselves. We're dedicating ourselves to prayer. We're, we're seeking the face of God. We're seeking relationship with God. We're getting to know who he is. And we're turning from what hasn't been working, 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 and we're following Jesus. And then he says, then, then, then you've given me permission. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. Your la our, that could be our nation. That could be your house. That could be your marriage. That could be your children. That could be whatever, that could be your work situation. He will, he will forgive. Listen, here's the beauty. Here's something that's connected to God healing what needs to be healed inside of us is that we have to turn from sin and receive his forgiveness. So many of us are, are we're skipping that, that, that step and we want God to do everything for us. We want him to, to heal us, provide for us, to, to bless us, to, to do all, all the things, yet we're still living in a, in a lifestyle that opposes that opposes the heart of God. And then in verse 15, he goes, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive. Listen, how do, how do I get God to hear my prayers? He hears them, but there's also, it's like you're talking to somebody and you're asking them to do something that they don't have permission to do. And God's saying, I, I just need you to, I just need you to give me permission. There's a way that you need to do it. Yeah, I, I hear your prayers and I wanna move on your behalf. As a matter of fact, what you're asking for is pennies in comparison to what I actually have planned for you. You're, you're praying for this job, but you don't have a clue that I've actually got this set up. But I, I, I'm trying to get you to give me permission and, and, and so that I can begin to move on your behalf. And so when we unlock and give God permission, he hears from heaven, he forgives our sin, he begins to heal our land, and he goes, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers that are made in this place. This place, what is this place? I would tell you that this place is in reference to wherever God's people are that are operating in this way to give God permission to move. 
in the context of Second Chronicles, they were, they was in the context of the temple of God and prayers that were made in that place. But, but for us, that application is so much more broad because we live in a time where the spirit of God and the presence of God is no longer uh, being withheld. Uh, we are covered by the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross and then the, the victory he won by uh, raising from the dead and conquering death and the, the distance between where the Father is and where we can be has been removed. So now we have freedom. Now we have freedom. God's ears will be attentive to the place where humility, where prayer, where relationship, and where repentance exist. And so, um, all these shootings happening, people are hurting today really bad. And uh, the way that our media and, and their politics are going to respond is going to make people hurt even, even more. And they're going to use it to monopolize power, and they're going to use it to monopolize position, and they're going to use it to, to put down one side of a population in order to get favor from another side of the population. And meanwhile, people continue to hurt. And so my, my challenge to us would be, church, can we, can we humble ourselves? Can we dedicate ourselves to prayer? Can we, can we seek the face of God? God wants to know you and God wants you to know him so bad. Sometimes I think that's harder for people that have walked with God for years. It's like, oh, well, I've, I got the t-shirt, I've been there. Oh, yeah, 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 no, I know God, I know. You know, we're, we're, we're tight, we go deep. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, he's, God's eternal. God's endless. He knows no bounds. When it comes to knowing God, it's like deep calling unto deep. Don't stop where you are, keep digging. Because the more that you continue to go into God, the more he will continue to reveal himself to you. It starts at salvation. Sure as heck doesn't end there. And I will, I'll tell you this, salvation is no small thing. Actually, I don't know a miracle greater. What about raising from the dead? You can be raised from the dead in this life, but eventually that's gonna come to an end. But if you're raised to, raised to life eternally, you're given life that can never be taken away, that's bigger and deeper than even the world in which we live, there's no greater miracles than the miracle of salvation. But as great as a miracle as it is, man, it's just, it's just the starting point. It's just the beginning. There's so much life that God has for you. There's so much purpose that God has for you. I just see God, he's up in heaven and he's looking down and he's talking to you right now. And he's got, and I just see this, this look of desperation on his face, but also this look of like, somebody that has a gift that they wanna give you and they're so excited for you to open up the gift and they, they've been waiting all day to give you this gift and they know it's gonna blow your mind and they just want you to, they just can't wait for you to dig in and rip this thing open and to see. And I feel like that's how God sees himself wanting to relate to you today. And I pray that, I pray that our hearts as a church would be to come together and pray. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the, the, the quiet little peaceful 
wussy Christian prayers that we've grown so accustomed to praying. Oh, man, God, God, just help him. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. A lot of thoughts and prayers going out right now, and, and uh, the people that are hurting don't, don't need the, in quotation mark, thoughts and prayers. They, um, they, need, they need people to care. They need people to love. And they need people, whether they believe it or not, they need people who, who say they know who God is. Church, they need us to get on our knees. They need us to intercede for our nation. They need us to pray for our leaders and those to come. They need to pray for the church to rise up and be what the church is supposed to be. Guys, I'm just gonna tell you straight out, most of us, our lives are so busy that we don't have room for a move of God. I'm a little bit moved by this because I'm convicted by it for myself. I'm convicted, honestly, even in my own in my own personal life, but even in my own leadership when it comes to being someone who passionately prays and intercedes for the, what's close to the heart of God. So my prayer is that as a church, this is something that in our own way, we can be true to what God's desire is and we can lead the way and be a church that prays. And I just wanna empower you to know that you, you can pray don't think it's on the shoulders of the people that are like spiritual, that are, you know, ahead of you. Because even if you think they are, and maybe if they are, not that far ahead. <laughs> maybe one step, maybe a half step. Maybe it's enough to be like, uh, I know you can't see one step further and neither can I, but I'm one step ahead of you. So you hold my hand, I'll hold your hand and let's do this thing. Let's take another step. Oh, hey, okay, no, we're good, we're good. Jesus, okay, no, one more step. Okay, we're good. <laughs> I need to stop. Can I pray for you? Father, we love you, Lord. <clears throat> God, let this be our, let this become real. Let this become real to us, God. Don't ever, don't let us get into a place of complacent religion. Father, don't let our passion turn into tradition. Don't let what is meant to be organic and authentic to become um, just ritualistic. But Father, help us to receive you as the God that you are that desires desperately relationship with us. Relationship comes through communication and communication with you, God, happens through prayer. So God, even today, I pray that as we go back to our homes, to our families, to our, to our Monday through Saturday lives, God, that you would challenge us to get on our knees, to find moments where we cry out to you, Father, to, to even for some of us, we gotta write stuff down on paper so that we can remember what to bring to you, and that's fine. But God, I pray that we would do something, that we would take a stand to humble ourselves. And I'm praying for other people to humble themselves. God, pray for us to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek your face like never before, to, to stop allowing our busyness and our distractions to get in the way of the relationship that we can have with you. And God, forgive us of our sins, Father. Help us to continue to not, uh, help us to not dictate to you what we think is right and wrong, but God, just help us to be humble and come before you and say, God, I don't even know if it's right or wrong, but if it is, can you show me? And if it is, God, help me to walk in the right way. And God, you know that, you, that when we give you that permission that you will come and that you will hear us from heaven, 
that you will move here on earth, that your will that already exists in heaven will be unlocked here on earth. And God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness and for your love, okay? Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around just for a moment. Listen, you need to know that God loves you so much. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you and he literally went through everything just so that he could have that opportunity. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.